episode of Barbie Does Dating. I am your host, Barbie Berg. This is my co-host, Steve Solberg. Aloha. Again. <laughs> was that a hello yeah. uh, If you're wearing an aloha shirt in the, on the mainland, it's aloha. <laughs> Is that a thing or did you just make that up? I just made that up because I accidentally <laughs> said that. I actually love that. Aloha. Everybody. If you're feels right. I think you should <laughs> start your next gig like that. Aloha. Yeah. Aloha. I love that. In fact, I'm gonna. I'm taking a picture of Steve as we speak. Uh-oh. Aloha. Aloha. And, and, oh, Anna. I love that. And before uh, we post shaka. this, he should shaka, that's get aloha.com so he can <gasps> yes, sell it. Yes, better go. Yeah, that's a good point. And on the back, we can have it say, touch me mild. Can I get away with aloha shirts? Yeah, 100%. Actually, I think you look really cute. You really live in Hawaii, on. so I mean, I live there. Yeah. I did receive a... Uh, a gift from a nice listener the other day, mm-hmm. and it's awesome, and it was a birthday present, and I like unique hats. It is a waxed cotton hat, which I think is awesome. Oh, waxed cotton's amazing. And I, I, I have actually no have it in the car. About, so. It's really neat. Um, okay. And I was going to bring it in, but it kind of looks like an Indiana Jones-style fedora. Oh, really? Nice. Which I think is cool. Granted, there is a thing with fedoras a little bit. That like I, Justin Timberlake is that what you mean? Uh, they got really popular and then it turned into anyone that's wearing them as a douche. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That yeah. really is the thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because you know you go, gosh, what happened? How did it get taken over by? Because how did it go from so Indiana Jones? In to, yeah. To the bring, how about club guy? Bring Indiana Jones back. Yeah, Ooh, I right. love that's that. What we need. Because Steve looks they fantastic in hats, back, and right? he wears hats a lot, and oh. not just like normal, boring hats. Like I like a variety. Yeah, yeah like so your newsboy. Cap I think you and should stuff. rock the fedora. And I, I should have brought it in. I, I, I no, know the people never. on the show. <laughs> We're I'm never going to finish the introduction. <laughs> I just wanted to bring up hats. <laughs> Let's <laughs> talk hats, hats, everybody. And your clothes, and Barbie does and your single and hats. Okay, fine. We'll finish. This is our producer, Nicoletti. Hello. Aloha, apparently. Aloha. Yeah. And we have Kylie with us again. We do. We have, an, we have a guest who was here for the last episode. It's Kylie Shields. Hi, guys. And we love her. She's so fun. Because <laughs> we you. have lots in common, so it makes me really happy. We kind of took over the last episode a little bit. But Kylie, so you're a therapist. I am. What kind of therapy do you specialize in? Good question. I specialize in young adult therapy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, I always jokingly answer that question. Yeah. Um, So I work with teens and adolescents, Mm -hmm. and now for the last probably three plus years, I've been working with young adults as well. So um, I started out my career as a wilderness therapist. Anasazi, right? Anasazi. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what is that? Yeah, so wow. (laughs) Sorry. We got to teach. I, I don't know we what gotta this is. We got to give the, the like zero to 50 in t- yes. 10 seconds. Do it. So a lot of times when families have a, a child who is sort of in crisis, they will, they don't know what to do. They hire what's called an education consultant, somebody who sort of knows the business of mental health. And mm-hmm. often that, that education consultant or parents can find this online will go initially to a wilderness program where they can kind of quote unquote dry out in whatever, if they're a gaming addict or a pornography or mm-hmm. they get away from their vices, right? Oh. Including their parents, including their their um, pressures of teen, mm-hmm. their their peers. Like a reset opportunity. It's very much That's a awesome. mental health brain body experience. So while they're out there, there's various wilderness programs. I worked at one that I still to this day love and and really recommend anybody if they're listening. This is the program I recommend, Anasazi. It's a pretty primitive program. Um, it's down in Arizona. And Intentionally. Primitive. Very intentional. It's one of the original 
programs actually out there. Um, but basically, wilderness therapy is you go anywhere from, you know, six to 10 weeks and you hike a lot. And it's very um, natural consequence based, whereas parents can't necessarily do that. So you wear like at Anasazi, you don't actually have a backpack or a sleeping bag. So you have to sort of make the things that you have. And then you hike, hike, hike to your water. Mm -hmm. And then it's it's actually like a cow tank. And so you have to like purify your water to drink it. And then you hike, hike, hike to the next place. And you have these food bags and you have to learn how to make the food with the ingredients that you have. And the whole process, you have these trail walkers which aren't really counselors. They're just really good friends that keep you safe. And at, I can't speak for other programs, but at Anasazi, the program was very much like you can hike and hike and hike all day and you can have packed your back bag, for example, really terribly. And unless you ask for help, no one's going to help you. They're going to just let you suffer. But if you stop in your track and say, hey, so-and-so, could you help me figure this out? They will instantly help make your life better. And you can see the parallel of like life, right? They come out of this learning how to do really hard things, but on their own two feet. And they learn how to sort of like navigate um, really hard situations. At the same time, their parents and family back home are working with like me as a therapist and they're doing, they're writing letters. So the communication piece is incredible because most of these kids and families don't communicate well. So they write letters back and forth and communicate yeah. better. Anyway, so that's it's where really I started. Cool program. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a really cool program. It's, it, it was incredible. It's, it's intense as a therapist because I would, I, we'd wake up at like five and like two, three in the morning, we would drive out. So as the crow flies, it's not that far, but you know, you're zigzagging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get there at about seven, eight in the morning. And then I would do sessions all day out on the trail, out by the water, out by the river which was intense because usually you do like a week's worth of sessions <laughs> in a day. And then we would come out at 11 o'clock at night and show back up in Arizona. And then the rest of the week I would be doing letters and therapy sessions and things like that. It's not for me, I would have done it forever, but I just couldn't the physicality of it. And, yeah. and it was a nonprofit to pay. If I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't stay there forever. So I started out there doing wilderness therapy with teens. I've always loved teens. Um, and then worked at a therapeutic boarding school. I worked at a lockdown facility. And then right now I work at a, an incredible program called Telos. And I work with kids that are predominantly, um, and by kids, 17 and a half year olds, all the way up to like 28 year olds that have processing issues. So this is some, some of our guys on the spectrum, our girls and our guys on the spectrum, um, but mostly that have like stress sensitivity or executive functioning issues, which is kind of new in the industry, but really like um, cutting edge. And so I love working at Telos doing that. So we we provide them with a life coach. We provide them with an executive functioning coach. And then I'm a therapist and we work as a team to help these kids um, predominantly learn adulting skills. So they're they're learning how to, to budget their money. They're learning, they're going to UVU while they're getting a job. And we're really mm -hmm. helping them and their parents to figure out how to sort of like move forward. So a lot of them have, a lot of what I'm seeing right now is... Um, screen addiction mm -hmm. so a lot of screen addiction in yeah. fact predominantly figuring out how to have what I call a, a balanced way of living so figuring out how to do your responsibilities whether that's work and stuff and be able to do your screen time and have relationships so yeah. you guys wow. probably know that this is a problem that our the generations have right now yeah and it's showing up a lot I wasn't as cute uh cute into it glued into it whatever I want to say here mm -hmm. um until recently, I heard this uh, speaker, Colin Karchner. Mm -hmm. uh, He's a big advocate of the... Yeah, yeah. Save the kids is yep. his big hashtag. And in his, he, he gives a great presentation. He has a TED Talk. So if you want to check out, that out, I would highly recommend it. But in his presentation, he talks about his friend's daughter who died. 
And they were catching up at like a gas station. And he's like, what's your daughter up to now? Oh, she's dead. And he's like, haha, what's she really up to? And they're like, no, seriously, she's dead. Oh. And he went, whoa, oh, what happened? And the lady said, I handed my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, a loaded gun, and I didn't teach her how to use it. Mm. And um, Literally? That's what I thought. And it, and then it was saying cell phone. Uh, it was a cell phone. Smartphone. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So it is, you know, basically to round out. Sorry, I didn't mean to pull no, all that. not at all. But right, p- p- people ask me recently because I want to write another book. They're like, what are you going to write about? So I'm just going to tell you guys right now, the book that I want to write that's so such a problem right now is about um, resilience, creating yeah. resilience, oh, how to build it, word. and how to and why it's important. And all of this funnels into that. Mm-hmm. All yeah. the ability to go through hard things and experience hard things so that you can have the other side of that resilience is just is just almost disappearing in I don't want to like judge any generation, but millennials and millennials kids, there it's a there's a huge erosion happening. And I and and I and I'm not trying to swath, but I'm trying to say in the 10 years that I've been a therapist, this has when people say, What are you predominantly seeing, Kylie? I say low resilience Mm. what i'm seeing from the low resilience is a lot of screen time a lot of addiction process addiction so process addiction different than substance abuse is your pornography your eating your gambling your stealing these are all what we call process addiction which we're not we haven't gotten rid of your your substance abuse addiction but if i'm going to be really honest it looks really different now with the vaping and other things like that and cbd and weed um Whereas really prevalent and really life-changing and the thing that is leading to our kids killing themselves and quite frankly killing other kids, Mm -hmm. so the guns and stuff, I really, and this is just me, hashtag Kylie, so I'm not speaking (laughs) from it, like I really believe that at the core root of the issue, our kids do not know how to, they're not resilient. They Mm -hmm. don't know how to feel pain. So they internalize or they externalize it. And their parents, a little bit younger generation than us, I'm not saying we're great, but I'm saying a little bit younger than us, they they also don't necessarily know how to self-soothe and haven't really mm-hmm. learned great skills of how, how to build resilience. They grew up in a society where everything was fairly instant gratification and given, nothing to their, you know, doing. But um, they didn't have to go to the library and card catalog and make a report. You yep. know what I'm saying? Kind of going mm-hmm. back to our, <laughs> our yeah. youth. Um, there's something about having to work really hard in any area of your life that yep. sort of builds resilience that's eroding our society. So I'm on a really big, like— Life, like we have to bring back resilience. The thing that we never really had to teach parents and kids, they don't understand really at the most basic core. Mm-hmm. Just to give you guys one more example, I've been looking for a house for eight weeks and I was shocked that in the eight weeks of looking for a house, not one house had a piano in it. Not one. Really? And we're talking Utah Valley. Yeah, well, that's Which just central. makes me, I always use the example of like when I was a kid and I didn't grow up in Utah, I grew up in Oregon. When mm-hmm. I was a kid and you, and you would say, how many of you are playing the piano? The whole room raised their hands. Yeah. Right. Parents were just like, you're going to play an instrument or you're going to be in soccer. or It's just a thing you do. And it doesn't matter how many times you scream and yell. We're still going to pay the money. Right. Yeah. Something happened. I feel like where parents were like, oh, you don't want to play. I don't want to deal with you not playing. and I don't want to pay the money. So we don't do those things anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you don't do those things anymore, there's a huge consequence that comes from nobody wants to have conflict. Yeah. And then we grow trees with very shallow roots. Roots. Right. Yeah. Anyway. That's but that's actually different. relevant to our subject because dating after heartbreak is a matter of resiliency too, just it in is. a different way. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk about this because it's something that I can't stop thinking about. I felt like I needed to share it. 
Um, I don't share a ton about my personal life. I got my heart really broken a couple months ago in March. And it went really fast. Like it went from zero to 60 and then it was done. And it was just like, I don't let my walls down very often. It really took me by surprise. And so I kind of went all in and the whole thing happened within a month. And I got like just crushed, just crushed. And of course it was at, I got crushed right at the beginning of when I was going on a nine week road trip. And so a lot of people didn't know this had even happened because I went, then I went away for nine months or nine weeks and no one saw me. And so they had no idea what had even happened. And it was something that I've really been working on because I was like, holy crap, I hadn't let my guard down to that extent and actually wanted to try to date somebody for like four years. It'd been like four years since I'd really Put, serious relationship like put like put myself in a position of the vulnerability yes the vulnerability i am willing to make sacrifices like i was sitting there thinking like yes it went really fast it was my brain i i joke that i'm a cancer not that i'm big into the horoscope stuff <laughs> but if you read about cancers it's like i'm needy and i want to get married like that's pretty much it and so i move <laughs> pretty quickly but in my brain i was like sitting there thinking like this person lived in another state and i was like okay if i needed to move to this state if they couldn't move where I was, like I was thinking about all these things and I hadn't done that in a really long time. And so when it ended, I was just crushed, like crushed. And it took me a while, the whole nine weeks that I was gone, I had, and it was really interesting because when I was gone, my heart was broken and then I went through all the grieving steps. <laughs> and so when I came back, I felt pretty normal, but I had zero desire to date. None whatsoever. And I'm still kind of in that Naturally. position. Yeah. But I was like, Naturally. it's, it's right. interesting because Normal. like yeah. I, I joke that I'm really boy crazy. And I am. Like, I love men. Oh, yeah. Like, they are fantastic. <laughs> Can we hashtag that? <laughs> I love men. I love men. Barbie loves men. Let me tell you, I love them. But it's weird because it's really the first time in really kind of my whole life where I'm kind of like, I'm good. I'm cool. And so I actually... I haven't told you guys this. So my dating coach, who's also my life coach, Lauren, who's been on the show before, I was out of town and I messaged her randomly and I said, I have this idea. Tell me what you think. And I said, I want to do what I'm calling Project Barbie, where I take six weeks or so and I meet with her consistently and she gives me homework every week and we work on all of these things that I know I need to improve about myself and we're not working on dating at all. Like we're not talking about boys. We're here, not talking here. about any of this. <laughs> We're fixing Barbie. And that's where that's what I'm doing right now is I'm in Project You're Barbie. In that. What, what week are you in? Oh, we officially started, I think, a month ago. And we were supposed to meet weekly. But the hard thing is she's been traveling and then I travel. And so we've only met twice. But um, she gave me the book, You're a Badass. Have you guys read this book? Love it. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I have the, I have the, there's a little thing that comes with it sometimes you can buy. It's a button. Do you oh, know this huh. button? It's in my office. Oh. Every once in a while, I'm like, boom, boom. And it tells me. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm awesome. So, because she made a rule, <laughs> right? Bam. There it is. Well, it was so interesting because she told me, she said, I only want you to read one chapter at a time. You're not allowed to binge it. You're not allowed to listen to it. You're not allowed to do any of this. And she said, you have to sit down and you have to have a journal that you have to write in at the same time. Because she said, you will get you will get these inspirations like every other line. And if you don't write them down, you'll forget. And Love it was kind coach. of, yeah. And it was really interesting because I'm reading it and it was almost like I'd forgotten myself for a while. I feel like in the last couple of years, I really have been kind of flying on autopilot. 
And I realized it was because when one of my, this job that I had a few years ago ended, it was literally like something in my life had died. It was the, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life, ever. And so I'm like, wow, I've had these things that I've kind of just bottled up and I'm really ready to move on to different situations. But it's been really interesting because for a while there, I was like, I am not ready. I am like, you know, you get in that mindset of my heart has been broken. I am never opening up ever again. I mean, do you go through that where I'm just like, eh, and I'm done. Never again. I will die old and buy a bunch of cats. Like, it's yeah. just, but yeah, I think it's just an automatic armor that you put up. But it's been interesting that as I've gotten back into it, I feel like I'm not the same as I was before. I feel really different this time that I feel like I want to just improve myself right now. And I have faith that when the right guy comes along, he's going to come along and it's going to be great. But I'm kind of moving in a different direction. Like I'm not, I feel like I've lived a lot of my life wanting to get married. So I was talking to a friend of mine about like life goals. Like what is your dream? What is your dream that you've had since you were a little kid? Like some people are like, I wanted to be an astronaut or I wanted to do this. My dream since I have, like literally can remember was to get married. That's it. That's <laughs> I won't get married. And it's not even necessarily about having a marriage. Well, it is. Like I wanted to find someone who loved me, who chose me, who wanted these things. And I wanted to have a wedding with a pretty dress because that's what I do for a living. And I'm obsessed with wedding dresses. But I that has been my dream my entire freaking life. And I'm like, I have to put this to the side right now because I have to have faith that it is going to happen when it's going to happen. But this last six months has been really interesting because I was like, okay, normally when I bounce back, I kind of turn back in the same Barbie and I'm good to go and blah, blah, blah. But this has been completely different. Like, I feel like I'm becoming a different person, hopefully for the better. So there you go. Anyone have thoughts, feelings? Steve, you didn't talk much last time. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, On the spot. That's what I do. As far as, uh, I guess... uh, I mean, I think it's healthy. I I like the idea of of Project Barbie and yeah. stuff like that. I think it's I think it's helpful to have something that says when you when you have heartbreak. I think it's very healthy to have something that says I'm going to work on this for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, like when you were talking about process addictions and stuff like that, I think there's good process addictions for sure that you can have. There are you could say, well, I'm going to start going to the gym or I'm going to start. Mm-hmm reading more. I'm going to start. I think some of those processes, I think we definitely need. And uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I've ever gotten great at grieving, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I think one of the techniques of learning to talk about it is hard for me. Yeah. Like I tend to, "Eh, I'm just going to keep this inside, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So. You know what I find really interesting about that? Because I'm like, a super fan of talking about grieving. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm great at it because those mm-hmm. are two different things. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like I'm okay at it because I know that it's, it's important and because I watch it unfold a lot. So I've learned, right? It's a good mm-hmm. teacher. But as singles in heartache or otherwise, you're we are all trying to find connection mm-hmm. in in 
interesting ways, right? Yeah. You have to get creative to find connection and then send, this is a whole other topic, but for me to find touch, appropriate touch, because that's really important for singles to be able to feel and to be touched, especially yes. LDS singles if yes. you're not, if you're living the law of chastity, right? This is a big <laughs> thing that we hardly ever talk about as singles that I somehow want to find. I joke about having a group, but there's something about being able to talk about these things we that need nobody to talk about talks that. about, yes. which is like, okay, what do we do when we're not having sex and we're 38 and we're 39 mm-hmm. and we're actually believe in the law of chastity and what do you do with all those feelings and things but there's something really interesting about grief spoken out loud creates this epic it's different than vulnerability Mm -hmm. connection because when it gives permission so when i have ever talked about to people like i'm really raw and honest about grieving different stages of my life it's been amazing to me how much people connect to that in a way that they don't know what they don't even know what I'm talking about. They just all of a sudden are like, oh, that's that's the thing. Because mm-hmm. most people think of grief as death. Mm-hmm. They don't yes. think of it as loss of a job yes. or loss of a, a stage of your life, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, college was good. And now, especially when you're hanging out there in your late 30s and yeah. early 40s, you're like in this limbo world where you have a career, but you're not, you're not, your kids aren't. My friends now, their kids are starting to graduate from high school, uh-huh. right? And they're so they're doing this post- school thing and I'm like I haven't even started the baby thing right so you're in limbo that's a grieving experience and 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 to your credit married life has the same parallel grieving that's happening but it's it's really interesting to me when you talk about like I, I don't know I don't think anybody does grief well no truthfully like I don't because, even know what that would look like yeah but <laughs> but, but people yeah. can do healthy grieving yeah. I think yeah I think you can do healthy grieving and whenever people invite and talk about grief, it invites someone and gives them permission to also talk about their grief. Like when you were, you were talking about earlier about, you know, talking about getting, you know, that window that's closing. I think yeah. women talking to women or inviting men in, if they're willing to have that, it's kind of a, it's kind of an uh, um, intimate conversation mm-hmm. about this process. Because there were a couple of years ago, people, a friend of mine was like, well, are you going to freeze your eggs? Yeah. You know? And that was such a a really hard conversation for me. I got very teary because I was like, I can't afford to freeze my eggs. <laughs> I can't afford to do this. And, and I don't really want to freeze my eggs because I want to be married to raise kids. And so if I'm not married, what's the point? Like in my belief system, what's yeah. the point in freezing my eggs? Because I'm not going to probably unfreeze them without being married. And if I'm married, then we'll probably do the baby thing yeah. the other way, right? But these conversations we don't talk about Mm-mm. and they include grief. If you're not going to do that choice or if you're going to do that choice, we're sort of actively closing doors and actively opening doors, kind of like you're saying, I'm going to put that aside. I remember years ago saying to my family and friends, I'm not dating and I'm not thinking about dating and I'm happy and I need you all to just get on board. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I was 28 or something and I was like, it's okay. I'm going to get back to it. But right now I'm doing A, B, and C and see these things I'm doing. This is the thing you can talk to me about. Talk to me about my job. Talk to me. And I like invited people to be like, this is, I'm doing this, not the absence of this thing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have this time in seasons when I'm working on things, right? So there's times and seasons when you have to work on yourself. There's times when you're working on your job or where yeah. you live or where you, and I think times you work on your health or your exercise and to expect it to happen simultaneously all the time is where we get into all, all kinds of problems. So certainly I think it's normal when you have heartbreak to be yeah. like, let's take a step back. <laughs> yeah. Well, the heartbreak <laughs> is a sign that you were committed. For sure. Yeah. you're capable of love. Yeah. And, Put yourself out there. And, and I think that if you can... Part of your grieving process should be a reverence 
for who you became in that time. Mm, that's true. Not a, I did something wrong or whatever mm-hmm. as much as, hey, I loved someone. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It hurts now that it's gone, but I loved someone. And that's a great thing to be able to recognize mm-hmm. that you got there. You're capable of it. And I think that some people worry that they're not. Yeah. And it was a good reminder to me that there are people out there that I will connect with. Because there's a lot of times that I'm like, I've joked that I'm a surface person, but I am. Like, I have lots of surface friends. I can make friends with anybody on the surface. But if you want to talk about deep connections things with me, those friends to me are few and far between. They're very close to me, but there's not a lot of them. And, And so to know that I could have a connection with someone and be willing to let my guard down and be vulnerable, even though it ended in a way that I do regret being vulnerable. But I'm like, okay, at least I know I'm still capable of it. Mm. At least I know that there is a possibility (laughs) that I will connect with someone and that hopefully one day it will actually be them speaking words of truth, like that they're saying that they want these things and it will actually work out and it will actually be what they want. But... It was a good reminder because I realized I hadn't felt that way for about four years since I had dated this guy that I really thought I was going to marry. And it was like, whoa. And that ended also very bad. But it's almost like it was a good reminder for me to feel that pain and be like, oh, kind of almost reconnect with that. And that sounds like weird goth no, to that, me. No, I think that's great. But, Sounds like life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I'd kind of hidden that and I'd put up a wall for so long that I was like, whoa, oh, I can be vulnerable. Okay, but I have to remember that being vulnerable a lot of times ends sucky. <laughs> and that's okay. It's the risk. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious on this topic for you, Steve, because I... Many times, not always, and often, you know, relationships don't split even, but a lot of times I feel like the guy is making that choice whether he wants to date or not date Mm -hmm. many of the times. So heartbreak seems really interesting. I would be interested in hearing your perspective because a lot of times we think of heartbreak as the person who's being broken up with and then how do we date after? And I'm really, I don't know. I'm interested on the other side of that if you're willing Uh, to. Are you assuming that guys I'm not assuming. (laughs) I'm saying that. It doesn't always break even, okay. but I'm, I would guess that... The guys dump more than they are dumped? I'm not assuming. I'm I just, would okay. actually say that that's true. I'm saying true. that oh, more okay. in my experience... I have no frame of reference. Yeah. yeah. Because classically, it's the men who chase, it's the men who pursue, and it's the men who, if they don't call back, then... But not Steve. He's got ladies knocking on his door all night. Because he's so but humble. Even if he has, but this, but to your point, even if he has ladies knocking on his door, there is a different side. And true. I have many guy friends that are like this. No, I, I joke. That but... in the dating world, that's hard. Yeah. I think in the dating world, if if the more pursuers that you have, the more no's you have to basically give to yeah. people. The more heartbreaking So how hard is it being a to... player, Steve? <laughs> no, uh, a player's got to play. And... <laughs> <laughs> For the record, that's not what I was calling. No, I. Stephen is what you could not be further from a player if he tried. Yeah, he I could mean, not. I, I don't even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. F- first off, like on both sides of it, and I think everybody's been on both sides of it. They've been broken up with uh, and had to grieve that way, or they've had to break up and had to grieve that mm-hmm. way. Of the two, there's not one that I would prefer to do. It's like, <laughs> like I don't have it. Both don't have it. are awful. Yeah. yeah. 
Because one, I hate the idea, like, I can't kill spiders, you know? I got to put them in the little <laughs> tissue, take them outside and go, ah, live well. <laughs> and, like, hope it's okay, even though Give I know it's going to die when it's cold. Uh, <laughs> and I think about that. I think about it being cold for a spider. Um, Steve is so sweet. So you're not going to do well, like, I hate the idea of saying, we're not, like, to, to, to anybody, like, if you're dating them and you go, we got to break up. I hate that. I can't do it. I'm not good at it. But there's a strength in doing it. You have to know to do it. Because anything in life, you have to know how to be able to say, no, this isn't for me. And that will build you as a person. So don't don't put that off. I don't know if Barbie's thinking, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not saying anything no. over here. I don't um, know what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I think that's valuable. I guess I'm struggling at what to say here, but... Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, you I didn't at all. Uh, yeah, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. No, this was Kylie's fault. Uh, yeah, totally my fault. No, I think... Uh, but like what you're saying, I think both of them actually take grieving. Grieving that you are doing something that you know is not going to be what the other person wants to hear. However, you... Or and... Uh, you know that it's going to help them in the long run. Yeah. You as well. Is there anything in particular that has helped you, though, because this is dating after heartbreak, mm -hmm. that has helped you to move on? Anything you—I'm curious if there's anything in your dating and breaking mm. up or break, being broken up with that has helped— Post. Move forward. Yeah. I think uh, giving yourself time. Mm -hmm. um, when I hear people who—I haven't heard this in years, but I remember when I was younger, people would be like— well, I got a date Monday, and I'm going on a date Tuesday and Wednesday, and Saturday I have two dates. Wow. It's like, uh, don't do that. And I know that, <laughs> like, that's... Hashtag, don't do that. Yeah. Pure and simple. That is a bad idea. Not that that's a problem with any of our listeners. I think most of our listeners are um, older singles who probably are not doing that. But if there are any younger singles, uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is coming from an older single who did that on occasion. Yeah. And uh, you mean you dated your way past the pain kind of thing? Or well, it, it you don't give yourself a chance to process anything when you date like that. You're it's like this Jackson Pollock painting of emotions, and you don't know what you're feeling, and you can't choose okay. anybody based on that. Mm -hmm. You okay. need to be able to give yourself a couple of days to like process and go. I felt pretty good about that day. Barbie's over here honestly, going a couple days. That's good. <laughs> Time. What? Time. For everybody, I am a quick, right? I bounce back fast. Okay. Like, it's a joke. Like, it's even in my patriarchal blessing that it talks about it's a special gift I've been given. Wow. All right. To bounce back extremely quickly. And so, yes, that is resilience, by the way. Like, boom. Yeah, yeah. That is. And I yeah. just, bam, I'm gone. But I am, like, I totally agree with what Steve's saying. But then also on the flip side, like, I've also been known to partake in the rebound. And <laughs> right. it has helped me to some degree, but I've made sure that the other person, it's one thing if you're rebounding with somebody who's like, we should just make out quick. And I'm like, yep, we should do that. Or <laughs> Steve <laughs> and, is trying to be and so I can't politically. Do that. I Steve can't. cannot. The Steve? NICMO. No. Yeah, the NICMO. Come where, on. Okay, this is gonna Bring be back the NICMO. <laughs> this is gonna be inappropriate. You're probably gonna cut it out. But <laughs> I love the quote of you can't get over somebody without getting under somebody else. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Barbie. 
Yeah, I told you you're going to cut it out. But it makes me laugh because not to say anything inappropriate, but sometimes where I get a little obsessive in my thoughts. And so if I really can't, then sometimes I'm like, yep, just need to kiss somebody. And as long as they're aware that we're just kissing, that's fine. But it's when people go out and they're going on dates with them like, I'm just trying to get over somebody, but this person's really having feelings. And yeah. Hey, this is great, and I really feel a connection. She's like, "Ha ha, gotta go, bye." That's a problem. I see. But, I, I think it's funny that this topic of dating after heartbreak. Yeah. And I don't want to set too many rules to how you get over it, yeah. right? Like he says, a couple days, and I was joking about that. Yeah. But like for me, I was dating the probably the first real serious relationship I had was with a girl outside the church, and we were talking marriage. She mm-hmm. was gonna. She actually was going to get baptized and all this stuff. And we broke it off because when I said, your parents can't come to the wedding if they're not mm. members, she said, look, I, I understand changing religions and all this kind of stuff, but I can't have a wedding without my parents there. And we were happy mm-hmm. in our relationship. This wasn't like a bad thing. The fact that we were even talking about marriage shows that we were, we were meaning kind of some serious direction with this. But it was that same night that we had to tell each other, this is a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. And so in that very conversation, we said, we have to stop this. Yeah, We mm. can't go any further. Otherwise, it's going to get really bad. And that night was like a, I think it was a Saturday night. And it just crushed me, right? I mean, you're, you're very serious relationship. And it was the next day that I went to the missionary farewell where I met Heidi. I was wondering if that's what this was. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that that might have been part of why it took me longer to get into the relationship than it did for her. But I will say that if I had set a rule of I'm not going to do this or that for any number of days or whatever, instead of just kind of playing it as I felt it out, that I I probably wouldn't be married. So Mm -hmm. I I almost worry about that. Yeah. individualized, but yeah. I def- I don't know. I think there's certain generalities that mm-hmm. that will help you. I don't know for you about for you guys, but for me, one of the things that has helped me date after having heartbreak is being really intentional with whoever I'm dating. Yeah. So I told you a little bit before that I don't I really don't want to have regrets in my life. That's like my guiding one of my guiding principles mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um and so for me, I I am in it. If, we're, if I'm dating, I'm in it, whether I, that's, that relationship was short and it, it helped me to build something or whether I dated a guy for nine months and, and almost got engaged. But when I'm in it, I try really hard to be intentional. And, and also on the side of like, I'm just not growing in love the same way you are. Communication, which is kind of what you were saying, underlying, yeah. right? Communicating to the people when you break up. So that when that's over, whether I break up with them or I got broken up with them, I honestly can close that book. Yeah, I look at so many of my friends who have so much regret in past relationships. And I think that is just like a monkey yeah. that people carry on their backs. I don't want that monkey, you know? So sometimes I think I've stayed in relationships a little bit too long mm-hmm. to make sure, like, am I did I get everything I really needed from this relationship? Is there more that I could be offering into this relationship to help it grow? And then, you know, if I'm doing the breaking up, break up and feel really good that I'm like, mm-hmm. on the yeah. side of being broken up with often you're surprised you don't know the other person has already made a decision for you like I'm done yep. so it's not like by being intentional it's not like I don't still feel like holy what just happened right like I thought we were good 
But I tr- I hope that I'm intentional enough in the relationship that even if I get dumped, that I can look back and be like, ah, there was not much more that I really could have done or contributed. And I try really hard. This is a girl thing. I don't know if this is a guy thing. You tell me. But when I was younger, a lot of my friends, would, when they would get broken up with or break up, they would often be very self-deprecating. Well, mm-hmm. he broke up with me because I'm too fat. Well, he broke up yeah. with me because I'm too loud. Well, he broke up because I didn't have. And they were very, regardless of why people broke up, I would find my girlfriends just being so personally self-deprecating. And sometimes I would laugh because I'd be like, I know the guy. He didn't break up with you for anything to do with that. Like, you're a little bit crazy in this area. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that they were unwilling to sort of face, right, that was that was yeah. getting in the way of their relationship. And that's another victim stance. To be in a relationship and get broken up with her, be in a heart, heartbreak, and then blame it on this other thing because mm-hmm. you're unwilling to look at this thing. So that's the other thing that helps me, I think, today is to go back and look at myself in that relationship and be like, what did I contribute? Mm-hmm. And what didn't I contribute? I'm not going to own the pieces that weren't mine. Yeah. But I am going to own the pieces that were mine, and I'm going to work on them, yeah. you know, so that the next relationship, I don't bring that in. Sometimes that means you have to be vulnerable and ask the person. I have asked some mm-hmm. of my ex boyfriends a little bit, even though I think it's been hard and vulnerable. Like, <laughs> hey, what especially happened? if I dated with them for a long time, mm-hmm. like, is there something that I, that I did or that I could change for the next yeah. relationship. I mean, you have to have a certain rapport with that person. But I think it's easy to be self-deprecating. And I think it's also really easy to, one of the ways to help you get over it is to put so much blame on the other oh, person. Yeah. Like they did Either this way. and you were so horrible and blah, 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 blah. Where in a lot of cases, sometimes that happens. But there's always two sides to every story. I know I've been a crazy girl in the past. I know, <laughs> oh man, have I taken the cap off my crazy and thrown it across the room and shook that <laughs> bottle up. It has happened, but we definitely both have to, you know, acknowledge. And that's been one of the things that I've looked at and I'm like, okay, I definitely could have handled that differently. And going back, I would have handled that differently. And now going forward, okay, I've learned these certain things, but I think you're exactly right. We need to take time to grieve. We need to be, what is it? Like conscious, picky about the people that we want to spend time with. People say we're picky, but we're going to be picky. I'm going to own it. And so... (laughs) Steve, any other thoughts? Uh, I just love putting the... Yeah, why do you do that? I don't know, because you've been so quiet the last (laughs) two. No, don't worry about it. (laughs) I think it's also because... If I'm being quiet, it means your dialogue is good. And I'll jump in when it's good. It's also because I haven't seen Steve in like a month. (laughs) And so in some ways, I'm like, Hi, talk to me, friend. (laughs) I haven't seen you in so long. Uh, Say something funny. (laughs) (laughs) It, I turn into this like snail when uh about the uh what? Uh, have you no, had, I'm have just you giving ha- you what crap, is your Steve? last heartbreak kind of relationship? Oh, I think I get them all the time. I mean, <laughs> well, I even messaged uh Marco Polo'd Barbie the other day when I was just like mm-hmm. disappointed in a yeah, uh, someone that I was like, "Oh, maybe this is somebody that I should date." And it really felt like a Hey, this is a thing because uh, I was in a relationship and then it kind of, and then I was like, okay, <laughs> I now. totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, there's this person that I never, I, they've been there the whole time. How did I not see them over there? It makes perfect sense. And they're like, well, no, I'm in a relationship. And I was like, ah, <laughs> good for you. Um, and I remember being like, dang it, man, I just so rarely, 
like Barbie mentioned earlier, so rarely get excited, get excited. about mm. that. And that is a kind of a Do fun you, thing. Did you feel like you guessed wrong or you read you couldn't trust yourself after that? Is that part of it? No, I mean I I I think it was still good. I was like, oh, that's good that I tried. Um, I think it also revealed that uh, you don't have to build up this perfect opportunity to try. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should just try all the time. Yeah, and I think sometimes I feel like I have to. Oh, everything has to be perfect before I make that precise chess move. And sometimes it's like, eh, maybe, maybe just, just throw it. your stuff out there. Yeah. And the and the underbelly of that is being you're pretty much being vulnerable, which means you pretty the more you put yourself out there, the more failure will most likely induce, right? Which again, I know, I'm a broken record, goes back to that resilience. I think Mm -hmm. dating requires, if you're going to continue to build connections with people enough to like date them, Mm -hmm. especially after heartbreak, I think you're going to have to be willing (laughs) to put yourself out there and and fail. So I'm on a roll of... With failures? I'm totally (laughs) on a roll of failures. (laughs) And so it it really hurts me when people from the outside, including my mom... My mom's never going to listen to this probably. But, um, and she's like, basically insinuates like, what are you doing to get yourself married? You know, my mom's great the majority yeah. of the time. My mom doesn't know that I'm on like four dating apps and that I try to put myself out in social situations and that I, you know, do these. She sees some of it, but she doesn't. So it hurts really deeply because I, what I want to say to people when they're making this judgment of like, what are you doing? Cause I can't perceive it. I'm like, I'm getting dumped a lot. Thank you for asking. <laughs> like I asked this guy out and I, and I don't really, I'm not the kind of girl that really wants to ask guys out all the time. Mm-hmm. So I also put myself in positions where I'm not asking them out and then I realize like, oh, they're really not interested in me and and have to sort of like leave that relationship because they're clearly not going to ask me out. So there's different kinds of failure that's not just like not getting asked out. But I feel proud of myself because I'm still in it because yeah. because I'm still getting like dumped or I'm still getting like like I'm risking kind of what you were saying earlier. Like you're putting yourself out there enough to be like, okay, it's hard because it would be nice to yeah. be successful every once in a while. They're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I have a lot of great guy friends that I go out with and go on dates and we have good conversations and I, and I, and I have a good group of social friends, which is nice. But I do think that um, a lot of people get tired. Oh, right? yeah. We get tired and we don't yeah. want to keep putting our like the antennas out of the snail shell because you just get poked and poked and poked. So every once in a while, I think dating after heartbreak is just take care yeah. of yourself. Come into yourself and yeah. rest. And and there's a lot of people out there that I think are judgy about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're not you're not activating your dating life. And I just want to be like, listen, if you have been dating for 20 years, come back. Dude. Come back and tell me <laughs> yes. when you've been dating for 20 years. Because being in that middle, right. not blame shifting and not victim stance, being in that middle place of vulnerability for an extended period of time, man, there's a little bit of like I, I got to say, there's probably like a little bit of dating PTSD going around, yes. right? Where people are like, I can only stay in this vulnerable place for so long before I really have to set that aside for a while mm-hmm. and like just take a break from it. Right? Yeah, you do. I'm in that break right now. That's the the Barbie focus. What was that called? Again? Project Barbie. Project Barbie. That's right. <laughs> I'm a super fan of Project Barbie. Hey, thanks. <laughs> well, and it's good because it sounds like for the next six months of my life, I'm going to be working like crazy and traveling. So I'm like, ha no social life. Here I come. So it's going to be great. But <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be sounds great. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> it's good. I feel myself already growing and 
changing and going in a really good direction. Cool. Anybody have any final thoughts? I, the only thing that I would add in my story that's so interesting to me is, and it kind of goes back to what you said. I don't know if it was in this episode or last time about timing and everyone's timing. Mm-hmm. Like there's this like conveyor belt that I feel like people feel like is normal. And when you're off that timing, like a little, it seems like you're on this whole different veering and it yeah. doesn't matter how much you get closer to like the normal <laughs> you've already veered. Sometimes I feel like in So I dated this guy for nine months and we ended up breaking up. That's a whole story. But I felt like there was a lot of people in my life that that didn't know. Well, there was a lot of people that didn't know the circumstances and the nitty gritty why we broke up because I'm one to not tell other people's story. So I just don't tell someone else's story, regardless of whether it looks good or bad about me. But there was a lot of judgment and people that were actually a little bit like, well, what if that was your last chance to get married? Oh, jeez. Yep. Oh, my and gosh. Yeah. So this actually is my only, said that This is my you. thoughts about that to people, is that <laughs> you should not treat relationships in general like that. That this is this is it and your only chance. Kind of like the mm-hmm. idea of if you have, a, I feel strongly, that if you have a missionary out and you're dating somebody, it's like, oh, I have this missionary out and you're temporarily dating. I think every person who's in front of you is the person that you're dating. Yeah, And then when they're not the person that you're dating, they're not the person you're dating. But that doesn't mean it's a zero-sum game that you're never yeah. going to have somebody else. And so, obviously, I have strong feelings about that <laughs> because I, was, I wanted to punch people in the face around me and be like, <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't settle, which you don't know the circumstances. And a lot of people, there was some vind- vindication later <laughs> in my life about him. There isn't always, but there was some things that came out down the line that some of my friends were like, oh, it's a good thing. You didn't marry him. And I'm like, yeah, but couldn't you have been that friend then, right? Couldn't you have just put some trust in me or in the system to understand that even if I don't ever get married, right. why would you want me to have married the person that's not good yeah. for me? Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. So we can only yeah. see so much, I guess, mm-hmm. from the heartbreak. And sometimes you have to choose sides and you get, end up with certain people in the divorce. And I think we have to just be really gentle, yeah. I guess, is my only thoughts about breakups. And- yeah. Well, relationships are like game shows. They're a lot easier when you're the one watching them. Absolutely. On the TV, right? Why didn't you just do this, moron? <laughs> but haven't you heard people that go yeah. on game shows? Uh-huh. They're like, I got nervous. Like this happened. This. It's so much different when you're there and all that. Yeah. I think it can be the same way. I know I, it's kind of funny sounding. It but is funny though, but I love it. It's like perfect, actually. It's very valid. Yeah. It's you, very. You only valid. see what people present, mm-hmm. right? And so you can't see what's. What's underneath, and that goes for the people that are dating the next people too from that relationship, right? You see yeah. somebody in this environment where yeah. we're all kind of dating each other. Too. Exactly. Like, you see somebody implode over there. It's really easy to kind of judge what's happening over there. And I think everyone has their own story and every relationship yeah. gets a new beginning. Yep. Oh, I love that. Ooh, we're going to end on that note because that was really good. Okay, <laughs> if you have any thoughts or comments, you can send them to us at barbiedoesdating at gmail.com. I have made a pact with myself to start posting on Twitter and all of that fun stuff. I know. Nick is going to be so surprised. I'm actually going to really start promoting the show. So feel free to Barbie message us. All of that fun stuff. Steve might actually even acknowledge outside of here that he does it. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> it might happen. <laughs> no, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you soon. 